Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is your final Maxis Tyres post-race show of 2022 from the final round here in Val de Sol. This year has been incredible, with racing reaching new highs and thanks to Maxis I had the opportunity to be at some of the races and to keep bringing you these shows. The feedback we get from you, the listeners, is awesome, so thanks to everyone who listens and for the final time this season, thanks to Maxis for making it all possible. As you know, Maxis have a long history with racing and are the tyre brand that comes to mind when you think about performance. So it really is no surprise then that Maxis have won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup downhill and EWS racing. Whatever your needs, Maxis have got you covered with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. I spent a lot of this year using the Asagai 2.5 Max Grip in their new Exo Plus casing up front, combined with the DHR Double Down Max Terra on the back. This combo has delivered insane grip and braking traction across a wide range of trail types and conditions all season long, and I've not had any issues with punctures, burping, getting the tyres to seat, or anything else. I'd highly recommend them as a great all-round year-long setup. This is your last chance to win an awesome Maxis merch bundle. If you want to get your hands on one, then you just need to share this podcast episode on your Instagram and tag me at Downtime Podcast and at Maxis Bike, and we'll choose a lucky winner. You can check out the entire range of Maxis tires over at maxis.com and find the tires at your local Maxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Maxis Bike. All right, for the last time this year, let's hear from the dream team of Elliot Jackson and Nika Milali to find out all about what went on at the final showdown here in Val de Sol. All right, the final race of the 2022 season is complete. Uh, Val de Sol put on a show. The riders risked life and limb uh, for the entertainment of the fans and for the sport. It was pretty wild. Nico, let's start with you and let's talk a little bit about that track. You um, were up on the UCI track walk, which was a different thing for you. Um, I think you said to me it was the longest track walk of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Loic volunteered me to go on the UCI track walk. The uh, the riders were all year, I think we talked about it a few times, working on putting together a, a riders union or just a group of, of riders giving unified feedback. And part of that is making... Uh, reports after each race of what things worked and what didn't. I mean, the UCI does this already, but uh-huh. just coming from the rider's perspective, um, which Emily Emily Siegenthaler is taking the lead on. And um, we all thought that she would be a really good person to represent the group. And then in the meeting, Loic volunteered me to <laughs> assist her as a current rider because <laughs> he thought I'd do a good job. And, uh, agree, agree. <laughs> I agree too. <laughs> I was like, dude, all you have to do is train and race. I'm trying to do yeah, right, a bike, a bike park, a race team, and train and race. Um, but anyway, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to go if Emily does most of the logistics for this and uh, admin stuff. I'll be happy to at least go on the track walks and communicate and as a rider's perspective. And so anyway, yeah, I went on that first track walk and um, I was surprised. I was like, I'll probably not go again tomorrow. But after doing the first track walk, I wasn't looking at things like I was racing. I was looking for safety and looking for um, just like, I don't know, the placing of the poles for racing and a combination of like line choice and safety for the track. So after that, I was like, man, I need to go again and like look at what line I want to take. Wait, can you, because I was talking to Jorge about this, can you explain like how taping a track in the pole position make, makes a race safe or dangerous? Well, I would say we didn't find any things that were too 
dangerous. Um, I'd say most of the time it's like speed related. So if the section that you're coming into, you enter with a lot of speed and it's a gnarly section that's getting steeper, naturally the guys want to win the race. So they're going to come in off the brakes. And if the section leads you into a dangerous situation at race pace, then it's something that if we can avoid and still figure out who the fastest rider is, we should do that. So adding in turns that don't make it so slow that it's an enduro race, but check the speed. And sometimes if it's done incorrectly, you can add, uh, like in Leo Gang, when they add those little bus stops, you end up going just as fast, but having to turn. So it's more dangerous. But if you can do them correctly, it's a speed check and creates different line choices and adds the skill of setting up a corner instead of just off the brakes and pray. So anyway, that was the goal. Um, but also to put the poles in a place where they, the good line isn't to run over the pole. Often, like, it's, it's a joke that, like, what we need to practice for World Cup is a ski pole sticking out of a tree stump. Because it seems like uh, every track we've got that, and then the pole gets run over, and then they have to repair it, and it's not in the same place, and it moved for the final. And now in the final, it stood up straighter than it was by a few centimeters whatever and it's different than it was in practice but it's like it was on track walk and the riders aren't happy so if we can like try to put the poles in a place where they don't need to be run over to take the fast line then that's a good thing so jorge and i were kind of looking at that and i, and I thought it was helpful to have me along like uh, from a rider's perspective to tell him like no if you leave this there everyone's going to run that over or if you move it this way, it'll create more line choice or yeah, I, th I thought the the walk was very productive um, and I was happy to do it, but it did take four hours of, of hiking down a mountain. And, uh, cause it wasn't just that, like the, the marshal coordinator was there. Both UCI officials were there. They were checking marshal positions. They were checking ambulance places. So it, it wasn't just about us marking the track and looking for places to put pads. But, um, Anyway, yeah, so we did that, and then I, uh, I walked, did it all again. <laughs> walked it again to look at race lines, which, I don't know, I, I was happy to do it. I, I enjoy that perspective, and I, I like to think that it helped. Like, there's always things in the rider chat that they're complaining about, sometimes I think too much. But um, if we can find eight of the ten things on the first track walk, and then there's only two little things to correct, then that's, yeah. that's a benefit. For sure, for sure. Elliot? talk to us uh, about the track itself and the feedback you've been getting from riders because I think this is the roughest Val de Sol we've ever seen it was pretty gnarly for Worlds last year but it doesn't look like it's had a huge amount of work and probably a year's worth of riding that people come here because it's open as a bike park um, yeah a lot of riders seem to be kind of struggling to find an enjoyment in the track or to, to be willing to take the risk they feel they need to take to go fast down it it's full on. Yeah, I think it, it seemed like, I'm trying to think, I feel like it was almost the exact same as it was for Worlds last year. Maybe like one or two sections, which is a big contrast to like Leger where it went down the same kind of pathway, but it was almost a completely different track. And so some of the new sections, like after you had these big rock steps and there was a right-hander, that was fresh last year. And now it was just these like, huge roots steps I think like on the live feed you kind of just saw people you can't really tell how steep it is on the live feed but you can't um, 
can't actually really even walk down that part of the track. It's so steep. So you uh, you saw them kind of just like front wheel pogo sticking down, doing something with my hand. You can't see it. And so I think that led to a lot of a lot of the riders just like just like <laughs> being confused. Like, how do I? Can I set my bike up for this? Like, I I can't hold on. You know who is willing to like take this this risk um like you were saying um and i always think this track is not like a clear line like you can't just you're never in the same spot i think some of the riders some of the times at some of the tracks you see everyone on this kind of inch perfect line and here you hardly ever see anyone in the same spot on the track and i think that's because it's just so wild like if you try to ride this track uh, perfectly, um, I guess unless you're Loris, like it's almost, it's almost impossible. You end up going too slow. So, yeah, it was an early one. There was like uh, a couple people, like Brooke. He didn't end up riding. He said he just wasn't, he wasn't feeling it. Um, didn't want to, if he was going to be not be in the mindset. He said it was just going to be too dangerous for him. So yeah, it was it was kind of a heavy one. But at the same time, you know, this is this is Valdesol, and it's uh, it's definitely like the gnarliest one. So might be good to have a new track next year yeah yeah a lot of riders in the in the feedback group were trying to i guess uh trying to advise jorge that we needed to this was too much yeah 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 yeah. and i don't know i it, i don't think anyone likes it like <laughs> i mean the only reason you like it is because you do well at it better than other people like there's a perspective of saying like well if no one likes it then i like it but it's a proper test of man and machine. Like, I, well, you know what I was thinking about this is um, the riders who have ridden it for years seem to complain the most because back in the day it was it was this like loamy, fresh track every year. It would change a bit and it was super gnarly and steep, but it wasn't like this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the riders like talked to the couple of the the juniors and. A couple of women who had been here for the first time and they're like yeah man it's bloody gnarly but like i guess i don't know any different or whatever you know yeah i i had an interesting perspective getting to walk with the course builder and and hearing from him that back in those days when we used to race it like 10 years ago it was always fresh and it's hard to even tell like where the line was last year they would just always route it different and it was so deep dust lines would come out by race day everybody was finding secret lines and now it's been the same track for a while because it's a bike park now and he has to stay on the line from like the forestry commission here they like regulate now that like you have a, a marked trail so he can't change it as much as he wants he's he said when the marshal of the forest was on holiday i built all this section <laughs> no way <laughs> so he wants to but um, yeah, they they like that is something like they really take a lot of pride like i i saw the dude who runs the valdesoy instagram page and well, yeah. they're Italian. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, like they're the only they're the only place that's like will be commenting on riders' posts and stuff like that. Like they love it. They took a they yeah. do. Yeah, but for sure one of the hardest tracks. And I think like one thing that I tried to remember was everybody feels like shit on this track. Like it's not just me. I was in a pretty dark place before qualifying. I was like, <laughs> I'm running into every hole. I feel terrible. My bike sucks. I just have a average bike just like every my bike's no special thing <laughs> spent all this time making it and it 
sucks on this track. <laughs> we had the data on the bike, and Ancho said, everything looks perfect. Your average position is great. Your compression speeds are great. You're using the right amount of travel. Like, bike looks perfect. I'm like, fuck, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think it's just like, when it's this hard, it's it separates people. Like, they'll complain when it's, remember when Leo Gang was too easy yeah, sure, sure, and then sure, they're sure, oh sure, it's sure. there's not enough lines it's not enough to separate people yeah. the times are too tight yeah. and then you come here and they complain that it's too hard it's like yeah. it's a mountain bike <laughs> mountain bike trait is to complain it's yeah, too sure. wet it's too dry it's yeah. too hot it's too cold and when it's perfect <laughs> then there's nothing to separate you <laughs> yeah that's a very good summary nico i like it good i didn't mean like, i'd be to man up. <laughs> 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 love it let's talk about the bike then you mentioned your uh your average bike which i think is a bit bit more than average and you've been going super well on it this year how did you go about setting up for this track i've spoken to a few mechanics and they basically said the rider wants the impossible because you want traction there are sections where you want that sort of suppleness in the first part of the stroke and the speed of the rebound to keep everything going and tracking with the ground but then you also want a huge amount of support for some massive hits loads of sharp edges it's hard to get set up, right? It really is. Like you said, like you want two completely opposite things. You want compliance in square edge and you want support for huge compressions. And not many tracks have a mix of that. Like last week we had some pretty big compressions. You can make the bike stiffer and through the roots. Yeah, it was a little rough, but it wasn't as gnarly as these roots and, and the square edge rocks that were in between them. So you wanted, yeah, the, the axles to move out of the way when you hit something sharp, but also hold you up when you hit a big bump. So you needed like uh, telemetry from your brain to your shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll have that in a few years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just hard to set up. And um, I ended up going actually a little softer than Leger just to try to get some more compliance out of my bike um both in hydraulic and my shock and a little less air pressure actually like i went up last weekend and i was back to my normal spot it was 99 psi uh -huh. my 40 last weekend and 96 this weekend so yeah i definitely had one spot where i felt like a metal on metal bottom out on my fork but i felt like that was going to be terrible no matter what i yeah. did and i could gain everywhere else from getting some more compliance so yeah, it was tough, and um, the dirt's very inconsistent. Like, out in the open, there's some spots where it's somewhat hard pack. They actually put a lot of material into the track, like some gravel on the top berms and in, in some of the sections to hold it together. And then some sections are just up to your knee in dust. <laughs> so it's uh, a lot of different things getting thrown at you. And I think more so than the bike is how you ride it. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, and it was a tough one. Hard to keep air in tires as well. There's been a lot of flats and a lot of tires ripped off rims. And the, the comments our Muckoff team seemed to suffer maybe more than most for some reason this week. I think Amory and uh, Thibaut both came down in practice with, with flats. I think Amory had three flats from three runs, which is never a good practice session. Pom Pom came down with one hanging off. It's pretty disruptive to to your practice, right? Yeah, for sure. And like kind of leaves you in a lack of confidence in your equipment going into your race um i talked to him actually yesterday because he and tebow like you said both had issues i saw him coming through with no tire just a rim yeah and um i was kind of asking him what their setup was and they said the the challenge was that they would they had a different issue every time like okay. one time they pinch flatted the sidewall of the tire bead another time they cracked the rim another time a spoke went through the the, the rim tape so 
it wasn't the same problem every time, which yeah. was tough to solve, yeah. right? And in a weekend where you have to get it ready in an hour for the race, it's like really tough to, to choose how to fix that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the track. It's, so it's tough for everyone. I, I've been running a 28 hole front rim at the past couple rounds to try to get some compliance out of the front wheel, yeah. both like vertically and some grip. And uh, was impressed how well it did. It's an enduro rim from reserve. And uh, finally here, cracked one in practice. So I went back to the downhill front rim. But other than that, I, I was lucky to not have any issues. I think we sorted some stuff out with knowing uh, which spokes exactly to, to use with our rims and nipples and have uh, finally, by the last race, <laughs> got, it, Solved the problem. Got, it, got it sorted. Yeah. Touch wood. I, I think, too, there was... Um there were a lot of people that got flats and it was kind of like the high profile riders like Thibaut and Emery got a, got a ton of flats. But then even in finals, we saw so many flats. And I think about on this track, there are lines that you would avoid when uh -huh. you're normally riding. But since you're going so fast, there could be a jagged rock and you just, you have to run over it. Yeah. There's no, when you're going that fast, like you're not trying to avoid flats. And a lot of times they're in a compression that's covered in dust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you almost need to go with your your French walking poles and stick it in there and see what's in the bottom of the rut. <laughs> yeah, I know it's true. And like that was, I think one of the things here is, um, like you're saying, it's inconsistent, uh, the surface of it. And so you actually don't really know what's underneath. And so you don't know what kind of berm will hold you. You don't know you know if that hole is six inches deep or two feet deep and what's underneath it yeah. like a rock or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you need like when you go fishing you have the sonar for the fish finder <laughs> you need to walk the track and see where the big rocks are yeah yeah it's it's totally true like this track is like if normally if you would ride this track i think you would just take completely different lines like if you rode it as a bike park rather than racing i don't think you would cut me <laughs> it's it's the only track we've been to or that i've been to all season that i have zero interest in trying to ride down everything else that like bar some big features it looks pretty cool that thing no chance Brendan, oh, oh, my God. oh, this has been a good view. All. We're, we're sitting in front of the kids' course, and we've got a good view of kids sending it all weekend. And that guy just went over the bars oh, yeah, huge yeah. Over the in bars. a fairly major way. Oh, Parents are on site. He's up. Uh, he's Brendan, up. He's Brendan okay. and I tire tested here for two days after, I think it was World Champs in 16. You remember how gnarly? Oh, my God. You crashed on the big yeah, step down that yeah, year yeah, when yeah, it was yeah. a proper step yeah. down. Uh, but yeah, we tire tested two days after the race and we were going around a majority of the track, honestly, wow. like probably half of the sections were like, we're going to skip this today. And it, it was not really even productive. Like the track was so gnarly that the next day you just, when, when you've been like through the high of the race to yeah. come down from that and then go ride the track again, it just feels so dangerous. Yeah. I think so. like you'll ask any world cup racer and riding the day after a world cup on the world cup track is like just the most terrible thing you could ever imagine but if you ask an engineer it's a great idea yeah, right? because we're gonna get so much information <laughs> and uh it'll be the race condition like we get a ch chance to chance to <laughs> test in the race simulation yeah they don't take into account the human, human factor and the hungover human <laughs> <laughs> normally good stuff let's move on and talk a bit about qualifying and it's a different setup here right final round there's no quality points different riders sort of approached it differently i think and the as a result we saw a bit of a mix-up 
how did you go about it nico you uh you wanted to get through and get a solid position for the finals i guess yeah honestly i was sweating it i uh i knew this would be a tough one there was 180 guys signed up so uh to make a top 60 cut is tough these days um and it's sometimes like a weird feeling for me i've in seasons past had had great results and to try to motivate myself to make the final is like nothing to write home about but i don't know it's it would be worse to not make it so um it's it's just harder than it may seem to like make the cut it's it's tough and a lot can go wrong too so i was um yeah i was feeling the pressure and i knew i needed to ride well um i won't say what my brother told me before the run (laughs) something along the lines of like don't ride like a uh, or you'll or you won't qualify and uh i don't know it felt terrible like halfway down the run i was like this is it like this is this is not make this is me not making it like this this is not feel good what's happening and uh came down in a honestly a mid-pack position and and then some guys from the the back of the pack came through and I, i managed to make it through qualifying so i was i was honestly surprised on the feel of the run but i've most riders would say that it didn't feel good yeah yeah i think that that was definitely a sentiment i got there was a there was a couple people that came down it felt like like a wet race where you come down and you're like ah, i fell here and i had a crash i thought i wasn't going to qualify and it's a top 10 or something there was a yeah definitely a handful of people who were just like surprised at what their finish was because i think it felt so bad yeah and some of the protected riders, riders maybe throttle back a little bit. Like I heard uh, Aaron Gwynn was riding with quite a sore wrist from a, a morning practice crash, I think, and was tempted to just break the beam and not bother, but ended up doing his run and was kind of shocked to be in fifth. So maybe some of those names backed off. Maybe also like the weather generally gets worse here through the day. I don't know if anyone was playing that strategic game of trying to get a slot a bit earlier in the afternoon. If they did, it obviously didn't pay off today, but yeah i mean i was kind of looking at the weather every day and every day it said rain and it just wouldn't and it kind of got more and more cloudy throughout the week but it kind of never really did and then finally i guess today it did it did rain almost in the most unideal time it kind of it worked out good enough but yeah it's always kind of a bummer uh to not have a fully fair playing field yeah final race yeah and uh, another nice bit of strategic play from cami balanche in qualies as well she just did what she needed to do go up break the beam and uh, we'll talk a bit about how that all played out in the end because it was pretty close but <laughs> i will say in practice first day she uh velcroed her hand to the bar so she like put a piece of um i don't know the male side like the non-fuzzy side um on the bar did some wiring around it and then sewed uh the like fuzzy side on her glove and it was nice she like actually like twisted it perfectly or whatever and like that was how she was holding on to the bar i think she ran it in the race as well wow yeah champery worlds i had a broken hand and i just got tree sap like from a pine tree <laughs> and made my gloves super sticky no so it created a ton of friction on my grip that's not a bad idea i feel like you need to like some spray or whatever yeah. like no like, this is the redneck version versus the swiss version <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> give me some tree sap amazing all right let's talk about the racing we'll start with with junior women and uh there was a, a chance for phoebe to overhaul gracie but it was pretty slim 
Um, and as it happened, Phoebe had a pretty big leg impact, I think, in qualies and was pretty sore and then had another crash in morning practice and made the call like other riders to sit out. Not worth it. So that battle was kind of done. Um, but the racing was still was still exciting. There were some fairly close results there. Gracie Hemstreet took the win and takes the overall for the year. Isabella Yankova definitely finishing off the season better than it started for her. It's taken her a while to find that pace from last year with the new bike and the new setup, but she was in a, in a much better spot in second. And then Jenna Hastings backing up a, a pretty solid season considering she's still riding with a hand injury. So taking third there, it's pretty good. Yeah, man. Uh, I think all the junior women just got... You could see the progression from all of them race-wise, like racecraft-wise, kind of, um, I don't know, knowing when to push, when not to push. And I think especially from Gracie, like she, her being able to uh, finish the season off after kind of a, a Worlds that definitely disappointing. And I talked to Alan Cook, who is kind of the specialized Jeunesse team manager, marketing guy legend as well um and he was saying that isabella made the deliberate choice not to be under the same tint as finn and loic just so she didn't have that little bit of extra pressure i mean you could imagine <laughs> what that would be like in a place like leger where you just have fans and you're right there next to them you know all of these these legends who have won won world championships and stuff like that so she's in the gen s truck next door and he was saying that she um She's gotten so much more speed, but she's so small. I think she hasn't um, got the strength to handle the speed yet, which is maybe why she's been crashing a decent amount. Because, yeah, she's on fire speed-wise, but it just a couple little mistakes and stuff like that throughout the season. And then same with, not same with Jenna, but for her to finish off the season strong, like world champ and then a third, I think she'll be stoked going into elite definitely gonna be interesting yeah some of those uh some of those women moving up you uh you mentioned alan cook how cool is it that he came out and oh, raced yeah, this re world cup <laughs> so people that don't know alan cook is x games gold medalist for yeah, bmx yeah, yeah, park for sure. and, and freestyle and dirt and yeah. yeah like an amazing bmx rider um he he does the commentary for the joy ride and yep. a lot of red bull events when he just won whip off in uh, yeah won the whip yeah. off <laughs> and uh i saw him at the start like in the first practice and i was like what are you do what are you doing here like yeah, number plate on I said. and and he was like dude i'm the second oldest guy here behind greg menar i'm six months younger than him this is my first ever world cup but i'm the i'm the marketing guy now for specialized and i take sponsorship applications so if i'm gonna tell these kids we're gonna sponsor you or not like i want to know what it's like i gotta know <laughs> And he's like, dude, after that race, I was a ton more respect for you guys. <laughs> I was like, man, you picked an easy one, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what he said. I was like, he was like, yeah, was, I wanted to race one or whatever. And I was like, why did you pick Val de Sol? And he was like, well, I wanted the hardest one. Dude, tons of respect. I think more yeah. people at brands need to do that because, you know, everybody has an opinion of what the riders need to do or what we can do to improve or, or however, however it is from the brand side and engineering side. But like to have somebody from the brand be like, well, I'm going to go see what it's like. Yeah. And maybe I'll have a different perspective. Yeah. So, dude, how cool is that? I know, yeah. He, he said that he was like, yeah, I felt pretty good in a couple sections, but in qualifying, he's like, I had to go so slow just so that I could make it down so my <laughs> arms didn't fall off. I was about to, like, blow a hand the whole time. So, yeah, it, it does. It, I think it's, it is. It's so cool to have a rider who's like, yeah, I know exactly what they're going through yeah. coming down the hill. Awesome. Respect to Alan Cook junior men then another fantastic showdown um jordan 
put a pretty convincing qualifying run down that definitely would have made Jackson think about what he needed to do. And it was looking like Jackson had risen to that challenge on his race run with uh, only one more man to come down the hill. And it wasn't to be. Sam Hill's turn uh, took yet another rider down, snapped his handlebar, still finished fourth, which is pretty incredible, but seriously frustrated Jackson. But I'm sure he'll get over it. He's, uh, he's taken the over and had an amazing season. A rider that we didn't talk about at Worlds and we really should have done, and that's my bad, is Remy Meyersmith. Uh, finished the season off with a third place here. He's, uh, he's a, an upcoming talent, that one, for sure, huh? Absolutely. He and his brother, such good riders, ride so committed, and they're just really nice kids, too. Like, I don't know Remy at all, but every time I see him, he smiles and says, good day. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. He, he just, I feel like the most I got, it was kind of the same for me. I walked the track with, with uh, him and Luke, and um, I was like, what do you think, Remy? Like, is this a good line inside, outside? He was like, yeah, either one works. Yeah. Just got to hit it fast. And it's like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, just cool when you see people that are so like friendly and happy and yeah. also riding so well. It's nice. Yeah, it's a good recipe. And then Ryan Pinkerton, US national champ in junior, uh, wearing the sleeve, second place. He's going to be really happy with that. Is that. Do you know him much, Nico, from back home? I or? don't know him much because he's from Southern California. Okay. So as far away as he could be from yeah. me. But uh, he's been improving all season, um, and it's cool to see that improvement steadily progress to the final race where he gets his best result. I think with the dusty conditions, he was probably feeling a little bit more at home. Uh -huh. And, uh, yeah, I walked the track during time training, and, and he was committed. Like, he was <laughs> jumping into the rock gardens. and Keen. He, yeah, it was, he, was, he was riding well. Like, he wanted it. I think he was was he less than a second off of third last week so he knew that he was close yeah so i think he didn't want to make that mistake again and awesome he very well deserved second place for him. yeah i feel like there's a couple of like u.s riders now that are coming up even like in the juniors that i um i hadn't heard of yeah um there there are <laughs> it's great we need we need the next the next uh, round of us riders. yeah totally totally Good stuff. The, we're all getting old Elliot. Yeah, hey i'm already out <laughs> and then we can't not talk about jordan williams that was an incredible performance i mean fastest time of the day is kind of hard to claim due to the weather like definitely had some impact but still a decent chunk faster than loris's time in elite man I mean, he was absolutely buzzing. Like the focus in his eyes when he got off his bike at the bottom was insane to see. Like, I mean, what is this guy and Jackson going to do when they step? I can't. They're I probably going to get wait. first and second at the first race. Well, it, it can happen, right? I don't think. I don't think it's ever been like. I don't think we've ever had a potential for that. I never felt like that's. That yeah, we never but, really had like the junior race be faster than the elite race yeah. in downhill. Even though the con the conditions change and everything. Yeah. yeah, it's happened more this year than to even have the conversation where it's like, well, the conditions were a little bit different or whatever, but we haven't even had to have that conversation before. Yeah, and I guess back in the day, like when I was junior, we raced in the elite race. So yeah. there was like one or two guys. I think when I was in junior, Loic Miv got one podium. And Troy as And well. Troy got one from junior. So it was, you, you were, you know, if you qualified, fifth he went fifth and last so yeah. you were in the same race so it was more comparable now it's it's just stuff for us to talk about on the yeah, podcast yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. it's speculation yeah but totally for sure they're crushing it so 
it'll be exciting when yeah we, and it's been a consistent conversation we've had to talk about it a lot so yeah i can't wait it's going to be super exciting so yeah congratulations to gracie and jordan for taking those final wins of the season let's move on to the elite women and we had the probably the most interesting battle for the overall uh, throughout this weekend uh, with cami Belanche having the lead but still needing a decent finish to make it happen um and it ended up being pretty close right like you say cami was doing everything she could to get down the track a lot more physical a lot more demanding than the leger track on the body so for cami coming back from that surgery three or four weeks ago a lot more to deal with did you get much chance to talk to her earlier yeah i, I did um i mean i feel like the women this week were mentally just like on every single one of them had this different kind of plan and battle that they were fighting so for cami she skipped qualifying she skipped that whole day she did the same in leger uh for the kind of extra day practice but that's really rare to uh -huh. skip everything um and i think she said that she only did four runs throughout the whole week including wow. her finals run um and so she was just like focused on this one finals run and it was a crazy run because you could almost feel the pain you know she was you would see a shoulder drop she would get offline and then she would be back and you know she's usually kind of like a shoulders back pretty pretty upright rider yeah but her body position was just like kind of protection mode kind of thing so that was a um yeah, that was an amazing performance, like a world-class performance. And when she got to the bottom, she just kind of collapsed, collapsed over the bike. Um, you know, went over to Emily, went over to Max, and yeah, it was a it was a really really special run. I thought. Yeah, and it it looked like at one point it might not be enough. Like the, yeah. the overall was definitely on the line. Yeah, because she needed if Valley won, she needed a fourth, a I fourth. Think. Yeah, and and Valley killed everyone in qualifying. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she's... I think a lot of people thought that she was going to win. Yeah. Um, but, you know, talking to Valley at the at the podium, I was like, is second good enough? You know, she had this, like, big smile on her face. And she's like, man, like, I wasn't feeling good at... Uh, in the days before. Like, I was so busy. I think when you win world champs, it's just a media yeah. madhouse. So she's like, you know, super busy. It wasn't really feeling that good and stuff like that. And so actually just decided to tone it back okay. a little bit um and not so much like oh i'm you know going like 50 percent, but now is not the time i think we've kind of heard that throughout the season like emery was talking about how i think there was one race this year where he was he's like i'm on fire and i'm gonna yeah I'm you gonna know push. win qualifying yeah, and yeah. win finals and stuff like that and she was like that's not me today yeah. so she was really stoked with the third which yeah. was uh cool to see yeah definitely and jess blew it took a an impressive fourth place she's riding again another rider with a hand injury so not the easiest track to uh to get through but consistent weekend from jess yeah and she uh she's going to hardline next week which is outrageous um <laughs> and i was talking to eddie and he was saying because jess made up a ton of time on miriam i think like two and a half seconds or something like that in yeah. the bottom split bottom maybe two splits and uh eddie was saying that that was kind of her struggle last year was just like the fitness at the end of the track and and now that's her strong suit obviously she was attacking like you watched her run and it was really really strong at the bottom yeah. so yeah it's awesome yeah nina hoffman taking a second place 
four seconds back off Miriam. And Nina is another rider I saw on track, not really enjoying life earlier <laughs> in the week. It's hard, right, to turn that around and, and get to a point where your head's in the game. And I guess you need a good crew around you. And Syndicate feel like they've got this that this year, eh, Nico? Yeah, it's really cool, the, the vibe that they have over there. And with Steve up on track, all his experience, helping them out. Um, even if it's just Steve telling you what line to take. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, that's the line. <laughs> yeah, you just go for it. So, yeah, it's cool. I think that helps her. Good stuff. And then, yeah, let's move on to Miriam. That was a real true pom-pom performance like strong the run that just hasn't quite come together for most this season for her on fire and four seconds is a big lead here yeah man i think uh i think she wanted some redemption after worlds she was pretty pretty disappointed i think that everyone had her for the win i don't know if she kind of just let that go to her head and think okay i don't have to push as hard as i maybe normally would or I can just kind of cruise into to, into this race and got a little complacent or whatever it was. I think she turned it around here and yeah, had a, a, a run that was just incredible, especially on this track. Like she was doing stuff, like she was aggressive all the way down, putting the back wheel shirt where she wanted it, you know, doing these lines that were, that nobody else was doing. So it was good to see her back on form for sure. Yeah. And a real nice vibe at the finish as well. Cause I think everyone was pretty happy, right? Yeah. Bally's got the stripes. Pom Pom got the win. Totally. Cammy got the overall. Everyone kind of got yeah, what they sure. wanted out of the weekend. I was saying that everyone kind of had their perfect day yeah. because like you said, every like those four. And then I talked to Nina and she was like, man, second place, you know, I would have never thought that I would be this consistent. I'm so, I was like, man, you look strong. And she's like, yeah, like I'm so, I wouldn't have been able to have that run in the year previous so all of the women were had these huge smiles on their face so i don't know it's always nice when you get a final like that going into the off season where everyone is stoked to you know they'll put more into it and come back next season firing again yeah nice end to the year right let's move on to the elite men nico let's start with you how was your last race run of the year it was good um i felt good this morning i don't know why I just I guess because of the track, I wasn't expecting it. I don't know why I'm so surprised, but I, uh, after, I think for quality, like the track got so much rougher right before quality run that people were just hitting holes that they didn't know existed. Then we all walked the track and we found some smoother lines. So this morning I felt good and, um, yeah, managed to put a good run together. I always on this track fade, like the steep sections. I just deal with arm pump. All riders do, but, uh, my first half the race like i was top 20 splits so i was yeah. pretty stoked with that definitely got a little luck with uh going before it started raining really uh -huh. hard um so 15 guys kind of got screwed with that but um 31st my best result of the year with the bike i mean it's nothing to write home about but i can say it's progress yeah for and, sure man yeah yeah i got to uh i got to watch you run and it and it looked really really good like at the top it looked like you were like right on like top 20 did see you fade a little bit at the bottom oh yeah <laughs> never seen that from you before <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yeah no i mean i don't know it's been cool watching you from my side of the tape too because i can see like the progression of the bike it seems like you've gotten like so much more comfortable i don't know if if you felt like that like do you feel like you're riding improved or the bike improved throughout the year I feel like it. I mean, I think I came into the season with a little injury with my broken finger and then just dealt with some adversity through the season with the mechanicals and just stuff that, like, you figure out. Like, if you, 
of course I didn't create this program to, to imagine getting like 30th place or, or trying to make the final. That wasn't like what I dreamt about, but <laughs> in, in reality, it's, it's so hard. And I've figured a ton of stuff out. I've learned so much about working on the bike, getting the team together, having the stuff we need and, and making the components work as a full package with my bike that I think this year having that in the bag and under my belt next year is only going to be better and can improve a lot you know i mean i will say like i last maybe two weeks i've spent a decent amount of time in commonsall and in specialized and the level that those teams are at now is pretty insane like they are it, it feels you know we everyone says like downhill is the f1 of um of cycling and stuff like that but that feels like what it is the amount of data the amount of granularity that they're going for like even in the off season and all these things it's really crazy like you know for for common Soul, like they have a each mechanic like specializes in a different thing where they have a chassis guy and they have a wheel guy and then they have a suspension guy and they all kind of work together um to make these you know perfect setups and stuff like that and so i actually i don't know if i'm like yeah, I think every there's a couple of teams that have like a like a special kind of like app to compare like GoPros and they can line them up perfect and stuff like that. And so they're, you know, it's it's pretty insane. Like there's custom stuff going on and everything. So it's it's pretty amazing what you're doing out of the setup that we're in right now to compete with these multi. We're the blue collar formula <laughs> team <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> over here. No, it's cool. And I think a lot of that too is like they're starting with good riders and they're yeah. doing this interesting approach with leaving no stone unturned. Yeah. And I, I, I believe sitting in my position, a lot of that is to make the rider feel mentally like they have everything that they need because that's such a big component of this sport i've seen aaron win a world cup on a fox vanilla shock from a rental bike because he was riding a custom size and they couldn't have a a spare and like if you told somebody that what shock that was it would be like oh no way i can win on that yeah but like the belief of the rider is so important and i think obviously all that stuff is it's real it's quantifiable that it helps but it also is contributing to that self-confidence right. that these guys that have is the thing that's even like, more important bruni is super bruni you know they yeah. they know when to lower the windows in the pit and don't let anyone look in and make him feel like a superhero yeah and then yeah. he rides like one right so it's a it's i think it's more 50 50 of, of yeah. that and they know how to get their guy into that mindset to race which is interesting I mean, yeah because we see that so much like um with david trummer right like he was in a tent last year and was just crushing it and now he's in mondraker and stuff like that and has all the resources in the world and um you know isn't doing as well as he did and so it's i think to your point like the more i'm around it and the more i'm kind of looking from the outside in the more i can just see mentally who is who is going well totally because it's it's no secret that drummer and the and the mondraker factory guys don't love the bike and then you have jacob dixon who bought it and is out here beating them a lot of weekends and is like yeah "Yeah, i don't know it's best bike i've ridden (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. i mean like yeah he's like and he's out there like it works a 40 hour week 
40 hour a week job like in the winter and stuff like that and all these other guys on that same team this is their full-time job and so it is but they it, don't like the bike yeah exactly <laughs> but he doesn't exactly. know any better so yeah. he crushes it right right yeah and it, and i think it's um it's one of those things too i think about a lot where when you don't have a choice like jacob's he's like i mean what do you want me to i have to ride it like, yeah this is all i've got and i'm gonna ride it where you get into this position where you kind of have this analysis paralysis and you're like ah oh, we could change the shock or oh you're gonna make me some different geometry or can we cut an extra knob off the tire or whatever yeah, and all jacob's thinking is how to ride the track better <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah different things for different people right not everything works for everyone for sure getting that yeah, recipe the right thing. is the tricky part yeah yeah easy to fight easy to lose when you've got it as well like little pieces can drop out and it all breaks yeah, yeah it's a complex we're, sport we are fragile flowers down, down <laughs> the racers I, I mean yeah. i i love i don't know i can't talk about it enough like every time i show up to the race i can almost see who's gonna do well you know like even with with amory this week it felt like um he was having like one of those terrible horrible no good very bad days um that lasted kind of the whole weekend where he forgot his goggles um on his first run and then he got a flat and then he went up for qualifying and uh his leader's jersey broke so he had to zip tie the top of it and then he got two more flats or something like that i think flat and qualifying um and that is tough for you mentally uh especially when you're coming in like he was kind of disappointed uh, world championships and wanting so bad to win this race and kind of finish the season out like earning that overall yeah, yeah. title I think totally. yeah. must be hard <laughs> <laughs> second at Worlds want- <laughs> had the title wrapped up <laughs> that's what, it, but that's, what I, that's what I thought like I mean I would have I would have thought like you know when I was talking to him I um, you know I was like oh, are you you know, you feeling it? Like you just won the overall, like, has it sunk in? He's like, no, that's not for now. Like it's for later. Like, I'm not even gonna acknowledge that in this moment when you, when you learned that Finn wasn't going to ride. So crazy, crazy world. And it looked like we were going to have a crazy result at one point that rain came in and Matteo Iniguez was sat on the hot seat and it looked like that might stick. Cause it was definitely, uh, riders were struggling in those top couple of sectors to, to get close but it did start to change the rain backed off and it did dry throughout the afternoon but one of the first riders to really put that like into question and show that there were better results to be had was Bernard Kerr um, another impressive result from Bernard another podium from Bernard I think he felt like he'd not done enough for the win like I, th- I got that impression what do you think I I didn't know but I thought that might have been the winning run when okay. he came down like I like watching him ride and like watching how committed he was, especially because we got a little bit of a view like Troy came down and um, Luca came down and there were some really fast guys that came down uh, who are on form right now that, you know, couldn't put a run together in the wet. And then he came down. I think he ended up, you know, nine seconds or something like that ahead of Troy in the end. And so, uh, yeah, I was kind of like on the edge of my seat. It was one of those runs where you were just like, oh, my goodness. And uh yeah, it was it was really cool to see him do that. I think the the other Kerr, um, yeah, he came Hen- down, did that. I like everyone was so stoked and everything. And then Henry Kerr comes down yeah. and is almost a second up, 
and then you know falls in the last turn. In the last turn. Yeah. So, uh, but it shows that guy's got some serious form, right? He was on yeah, form in Leger, and for that sure. result was super impressive because he was only one or two riders after Bernie. Yeah, 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 for so, sure. Yeah, be good to see how he gets on next year. So yeah, Bernard took the fifth spot, and then Aaron Gwynn, yeah, riding with this sore wrist. It looked like he'd gone pretty hard on setup. The bike looked pretty stiff. Um, he's put in some insane results on this track in the past, so we know he's good here. Do you think he'll be happy with that, Nico? He's his own worst critic, but finishing the, the year off with some strong results. Absolutely not. He will not, <laughs> he will not be happy with that. I mean, you could see watching the run, there was a ton of mistakes. It was messy. Uh-huh. He was going for it. I think he would probably be proud of himself for overriding it rather than underriding it yeah but he definitely left time out there and i think aaron's forever chasing the perfect run i mean when he won here by seven seconds he probably would have got down and told you four places where he could I, I think i remember jordy saying that he was like oh that should have been 11 yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what makes him so great yeah so yeah. And beaten by the understudy again, Dakota Norton, uh, pipped him by over a second, actually, in the end. Dakota's found some form towards the end of the season, a rider that often puts in real heaters but doesn't always get it to the bottom. But that's started to change this year. There's a bit more consistency coming. be interesting to see how he how he gets on next year. Yeah, his run looked so good. Like, just perfect. Like, yeah, honestly, he, he really, looked like really he wasn't nice. almost yeah. not trying. Totally. Like, it was just really calm really relaxed and online carrying speed like very yeah. opposite because aaron went right before him and aaron was messy and dakota was just just looked like he was chilling almost and i think that got him through clean to the bottom where we've seen like last year he crashed here at the end lenzer was going to be on the podium and crashed and yeah i think he finally put it all together yeah it was cool seeing him in practice because uh, he he kind of looked I couldn't, you know, I couldn't say he was going the fastest, but he looked so smooth and it seemed like he had the track kind of figured out. He was doing a couple lines that I hadn't seen anyone else do, getting a little bit creative and was in rhythm with it, which I think was really, really hard to do. Uh, there was only a couple people that kind of made it happen, but I, yeah, I remember telling him like, man, you're, you're on fire. And um, I think it was one of the common Saul line spotters and he was like i told you i told you i said the same thing or whatever and dakota was like no way so i think a lot of people saw it this week and were kind of cheering for him to um yeah to put it together in finals good work yeah some nice nice results there and then andreas kolb fastest qualifier that's going to mean a lot to him i'm sure an incredible season where he's been on the podium more than he hasn't um wasn't quite enough today second place but again, some creative use of the track, some some gaps that I don't think I saw anyone else do higher up on the track. Good rider to watch and another exciting one for the future. Super exciting guy to watch. You can see the the desire in his riding style, which is it's always exciting. Um, I would I would guess he probably deep down is a little disappointed to get yeah, second. <laughs> I, I interviewed him and he was like, ah, oh, I wanted to win, and I was like, and do you like? you would have been stoked with the top 10 coming into the season and you just got second, like your best result and you're disappointed. He's like, yeah, I'm a racer. Like, what can I do? You know? And he kind of, I feel that competitiveness from him. Um, and a couple of the races where he'll get this amazing result and, 
he wants more, but he's like, dude, this is yeah. outrageous. I mean, as a racer, your expectations are always a few steps ahead of your achievements. But that's what <laughs> that's what keeps you yeah, right. pushing, right? You just keep upping them before you meet them. But I mean, to he won t- time training, and then to win quali and second and final, like the dudes, dudes on top right now. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like throughout the pits there was like a lot of talk about stuff that he was doing like i remember bernard saying like yeah kolb's gonna be really hard to beat but i think i can be you know right in the mix or whatever and i heard that from so many people it's like what's that kolb line you know there's like some kolb line up at the top or whatever so it's always cool when you have that buzz around someone yeah when you're getting lines named after you then you know you're doing (laughs) something right (laughs) so loris vergier was uh was the man who took the title this weekend an incredible rider always to watch very light touch but he put together a, an incredible run here and i mean that gap that he sent in the shimano rock section to the tiniest little notch between two rocks as a landing like serious commitment and serious precision on a track that like we've said it's hard to ride this track precisely incredible huh absolutely i mean he looked he looked great all weekend. Loris always does, though. So it's like, yeah. it's not something that you're like, oh, who looked good today? Oh, Loris. Yeah, of course. But, uh, yeah, I think he, he needed to win to get second in the overall. Is that right? I, I'm i not sure. I'm not sure what he what he needed. But I, I was I told that right. he needed, yeah. if like, if he didn't win he with Finn out, he needed to, he needed first place in the final. And uh, I, I think it's, it's interesting because it's like you almost have nothing to lose in that situation where yeah. it's not crippling but it's motivating like an attainable goal that's like man i'm gonna give it a little extra to try right, to do this right. so i think it's cool Lars is a very deserving guy yeah. he's, he's a nice humble friendly little guy yeah. and it's cool <laughs> to see him do well yeah man like uh he it seems like this year he's either i mean he had he had that injury in the middle of the season but when he's won it's been by this crazy margin that we don't normally see like three seconds here and i think it was two and a half or two or something like that in andorra mm-hmm. and when i interviewed him, i was like how did you do that it seems like you you know you put together this insane run this track and he's like well you know i guess that's what happens when you don't make any mistakes and i was like oh my like <laughs> i think he was for sure the only person ever this or this week to say i had a run where i didn't make any mistakes so i love he he has this style that I love. Like that was always how I wanted to, to ride was just so deliberate. Like yeah. everything that he does is inch perfect, you know, spots exactly what rock he wants to land on route. He wants to go over where he's going to pick up his bike. And so his runs, I think when you watch them back, everything is on purpose. And it's it when he has a run like that, it's just, man, it's beautiful riding it's lovely to watch yeah. Yeah. Light, light on his feet like yeah, yeah he's how you want to ride yeah 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 for sure i have to say like watching i i enjoy to watch amari ride because yeah. he's yeah. just so aggressive totally which is a very different style to loris and it's interesting like loris's qualities compared to like amari or loic like where mm. loic's like mental game is so strong right. and he can like rise when everything's on the line he like rides way better where it seems like loris in those high pressure situations struggles a little more uh-huh. but loris is a better bike ride. like loris's mm. technique is probably better mm. and amari's like just sheer desire to <laughs> right. get down the track faster yeah. is, is it is pretty crazy when you think about um you know all of these these kind of three four french french riders who kind of have come up around the same time uh and 
have such different riding styles, even though they've ridden together, like with Loic and Loris and stuff like that. And they you know, different body types. It's, everything is so different, different bike setups. Everything is almost completely opposite to one another. And they are the kind of the three fastest people right now. Yeah, yeah. totally. Three, yeah. three completely different bikes, different yeah. suspension. Yeah. yeah. Different, different recipes. Actually, yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Well, an amazing race. And there's a few uh, people we should wish well. Um, Laurie Greenland started the week with a broken foot and has ended it with a broken foot and a broken wrist, I think. Um, so I think he went down on his run. I didn't see it, but um, was was on, but then was off again. So Props to him for giving it a go. Yeah, like he yeah. came in top five in the overall. Yeah. I'm sure he wanted a trophy. Exactly. He wanted that overall finish for next year. I think he ended up sixth now in the overall when he was in fourth coming in, but he gave it his all. So yeah, healing vibes to Laurie. Greg Minar had a pretty horrible crash um, in morning practice, I think. So we wish him well. I think he's gone to get checked out. Hopefully everything is, is okay with him. And then also last World Cup ever for Flo Pay. So um, yeah, like 19 years on the circuit, super nice guy. I think he'll be sorely missed by most of the athletes here. So yeah. And maybe um, lately his results have been a little underwhelming, but the dude's had several World Cup podiums. Yeah. Got a medal here, yeah, bronze here. at Worlds. Yeah, in 16. So he's he's had a career that he can look back on and be super proud of. Of course, everybody wants to win a race or win more races, but he's done a lot, and I think he should be super proud of his career. Yeah. He's, he's a friendly guy, too. Totally. Like everybody has something nice to say about Flo. Yeah, it's definitely. Like, it's been cool being around him and Anne uh, this year where they are just his wife just like so stoked like just happy when he comes down from runs when he qualified into this race he's like all good my arms are about to fall off but like <laughs> i'm in the finals this is this is great and it's all his teammates and you know everyone just ran into the finish and you know started spraying him with champagne and stuff like that so that is uh it was super cool to see and they got a little party for him tonight take a look yeah, we'll have to take a look. Be rude not to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's some big changes coming up uh, as we move into next year now. Um, obviously, the move from Red Bull to ESO Discovery and a lot of changes. So no more Rob Warner in the commentary for next year. Um, but more so, no more Elliot Jackson. Well, this is it. <laughs> I'm, coming, I'm coming on to that one. Um, so, yeah, looking like Elliot, there's a reasonable chance that you won't be here with us next year. Um, which is a real shame, man. And I think on behalf of everyone who listens to this podcast, you will be sorely missed. Um, we, you've been a great addition to everything that we do here. Um, I know that me and Nico have really enjoyed everything we've done together. And yeah, sad times, man. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on for guest slots or we can make something work. But it's been a real pleasure, dude. And uh, I wish you all the best for wherever the next years take you, man. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I mean, I don't think I've ever like teared up so many times in one day uh, after the, it was really nice that uh, Red Bull let us do this really long post show. And I mean, seeing the passion throughout the couple of years that I've been there and, and just how devastated, like, today was super emotional like everyone was just it was rough like we we spent maybe 
20 minutes we just commentated and and talked we just talked over the award ceremonies and talked about our favorite memories uh-huh. and you know look back on some of the cool things for the past 10 years and i think that rob rob has been this mainstay in everyone's career yeah. and like life really actually yeah um one of the things we did for the red bull youtube video this week was kind of asked everyone what he meant to them because so many riders grew up listening to him the kind of from the freecaster days and then so many riders have had some of their like most special runs commented by them yeah um and so for me it's again it's this super special thing where i got into world cup racing by watching rob warner and then i have a world cup career where he commentated on some of the runs that i had when i was on the on the live feed and then now getting to like work alongside him was just this crazy full circle moment (laughs) and i wouldn't be the i don't know presenter commentator like i wouldn't have any skills without him like he worked so so hard and i know he's just uh he's really devastated by kind of um the transition i think yeah as you as as we kind of all are who have um same for me right like this i skipped to 2013 but um yeah next year will probably be the first year in 12 13 years that i'm not at a world cup and so we'll see what happens like i think red bull's still kind of working on the rights and stuff like that but yeah it's is it was kind of a rough day yeah (laughs) man i understand for sure um and then yeah with with like the podcast i would we were kind of talking about it and i think a lot of the stuff that i provide is oh i was talking to nina and she said this and then i walked the track and she said this and i i want to i love doing it but i have to like yeah we'd have to like figure out if that's even possible um because i i think that it works out so well where Nico's actually on the track yeah, yeah. and I'm, you know, pit reporter guy and then sure. you're the interviewer. So yeah, it's a big change it I is, think, man. for me in a lot of ways. So yeah. Yeah. Well, like I say, it's been a real pleasure. So thank you for everything you've done. Cause uh, you, you give up a lot of your time for this. So we appreciate it. I have to say it's been really special to be invited with you guys to do this. I think the, in the beginning you approached me at, at, snowshoe when national champs was there i was like hey chris wants to do this race review podcast would you be interested nico as like coming on with me and chris and doing it and i just thought it was so cool that you invited me and i think it's grown into be something that's totally pretty cool that we've yeah. we've been doing yeah, and sure. honestly i just feel like sometimes i listen to you guys talk as if i'm listening to a <laughs> podcast i feel the same way <laughs> like i'm just here wow that's cool information and and really like being in, in this with you guys like you're you're so smart and knowledgeable that it your presence uh, brings me up so um, it's been a Thank pleasure you, Nico. yeah yeah definitely likewise and what will you do next you don't have anything going on like (laughs) you have anything to do next year man i know i think one of the things i've been thinking about a lot is that i have so much i actually have so many different projects and it i think probably similar to you it feels a little bit bad to be not not have one focus and like i know that i could be like a much better presenter if i didn't have to be an athlete and also run a nonprofit and also like, you know, work on all of these different things. Um, so I really want to like focus in on something I think next year and try to try to like be world-class at something again. 
I think you're you're very close in all those, but I I, <laughs> I I can totally relate. And it's tough because like all those things are a pleasure, I'm sure for you. Yeah. And you wouldn't want to give them up because they're 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 really great in their own right. But it's tough to be a hundred percent in all of them. Totally. So yeah. Watch this space, man. I'm sure whatever it is you do, it'll be good and we'll all love it. So we'll have Elliot Jackson commentating the downhill southeast. Oh man. No, I'm actually I was I was actually uh I was I was talking to uh I think Logan about it and I was like, I wanna come for a a, a race and commentate over it. I think that's so cool. We'll have to pick to. one because next year the season starts in June. So yeah. I'm sure we'll have some early season ones where like Luca and Dakota and Aaron and maybe some other guys. Richie, Richie so was cool. telling yeah. me he wanted to do a downhill no before the EWS. So uh, you'll have to come and, and commentate it. Totally. There cool. we go. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nico? What's next for Frameworks, man? It's been a big year, obviously, a lot of progress made. Well, we, is there a year two? what are you thinking that's the plan is next year to try to take everything that i learned this year and do a better job the bikes come a long way it's uh it's close to being good but it's i don't know if it'll ever be perfect but there's still a bunch of things that are within reach that i can do to improve it and if i didn't do those things i would just be like all the brands that i didn't want to race for <laughs> when i decided to start this team so i have to try um and i don't know if it's a good idea or not to, to keep <laughs> putting all my eggs in this basket and spending money on it but i'm super passionate about it and i love I, I love the technical stuff about the bike and proving it here in real life at the world cup is it's just such a like it's an interesting project for a lot of people following but for me in it it's such a passion and a pleasure so yeah i'm gonna do that next year um keep a, keep an eye out in the beginning of the season i think the tech videos leading up to the race are, are really interesting. Yeah. Once we're at the race, I get it. Like we can't change that much when we're racing every weekend yeah. and we want to try, I want to try to ride a setup that I'm familiar with rather than, you know, tell you about all the changes to my bike. I wish I could, yeah. but, um, at the end of the season, you're just not making those changes. So with such a big off season, I've got an idea to try some different materials. Um, maybe a steel bike, maybe a carbon bike compared to my aluminum bike, some different linkages. I'm very happy with the, the kinematics and the way it rides. So I don't think I'll be making a big change there, mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of room to improve with, um, the chassis flex, the chassis durability and the chassis quality control yeah. as well. Like <laughs> I've made eight frames and they're all handmade. So they're yeah. slightly different. I think within the same margin as most bike companies, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm chasing uh, perfection, which is a hard thing to get to. Definitely. But yeah, I'll be back. I'll, I'll be doing the World Cups next year like I did this year. And yeah. hopefully, uh, like I told Elliot, get more better than everybody else gets better this <laughs> offseason. <laughs> Good work, man. I'm looking forward to seeing more from, more from uh, the project for sure. And I know a lot of fans have been behind that. So keep up the good work. Before we wrap up, we need to hit up Lit Kit. I'm going to give a, a second prize to Anna Newkirk's pink kit, which unfortunately didn't make it to race, but I saw her in practice in it, and that looked super cool. But the winner for me is uh, is Flo Pay's kit. Like, if Snoop Dogg raced downhill, that is exactly what Snoop Dogg would have been wearing. Every time I saw him on the hill, I just I just thought it looked super cool. Like, and it was kind of baggy as well. Like, <laughs> it just really stood out and really popped on the hill. 
Oh man, I uh, who was I thinking about? I I saw uh, Chris Grice's was insane again. Um, of course, I loved all the Beyond Racing kits. Uh, really cool. <laughs> they got the pink, and it was like, yeah, I wasn't sure I was gonna turn out, but yeah, yeah, it was good. It was, it was sweet. Yeah. But yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Flo as well. Like that yeah, last race, like always steezy. I'm uh, I'm in for it. Yeah, he, he kind of looks like Snoop Dogg. Yeah, <laughs> his demeanor with a helmet on. He's chill. Yeah, no, that one was awesome, and I think it had like that meaning behind it as well, which yeah. is super cool. Yeah, I actually really liked the Trek kits this weekend. They were yeah. nothing crazy, but they were clean, and yeah, maybe neat. just because it's the last race and not that many people had a new kit for this race. But uh, I thought they looked really good. Good stuff. And yeah. we've got one of your jerseys for the winner of the Pink Bike Fantasy League. So I'll check in on the points when I've got an internet connection and send a message to whoever won that. So thanks, Nico, for that. Wait, it's we a had bit, a, it's uh, a bit smelly, but we had a, a downtime uh, fantasy league. We did on Pink Bike. Should have been in there. I would have won. <laughs> yeah, all your inside trader information. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. You're not allowed in, man. You know too much. We can't let you through the doors. So, yeah, thanks to everyone that's followed this season's coverage. We get loads of lovely messages, and I know you guys have been approached by people at races all around the world for, from fans that listen. So thanks to everyone that supports it. Massive thank you to Maxis for, for funding the season, making it possible for me to be at a good chunk of the races, spend a bit of time with you boys, get to know some of the riders better and make other content while I'm here. So that's been really beneficial. And yeah, massive, massive thanks to Maxis yeah, for thanks that. Thanks to Maxis for putting so much into the sport. Like yeah. for a brand that has a big control over a lot of the tires that are sold, they don't need to do this much marketing sure. always, Yeah, but they have the approach that like, if we didn't have racing, if we didn't have more reasons for people to get out and ride, then people wouldn't need to buy new bikes or tires yeah and they're putting all of the success that they have back into the community whether it's this podcast or supporting races or supporting teams like mine they were one of my biggest sponsors this year so not only like they could easily say oh we got the best tires everybody's gonna buy them whether we do anything or not they're uh supporting things like this which is super cool yeah, yeah i is. mean totally likewise on my end i think it's like cool to hear all the stuff they're doing because like yeah this podcast i mean they support me doing all my riding stuff they support gross cycling like all of the uh the people there are super cool um and yeah putting i think all the resources behind kind of grassroots stuff as well right like kind of flyers like with with things they wouldn't necessarily need to they could just go and throw a bunch of money and get a title sponsor and something but i think they're really deliberate about what they do and and they make amazing stuff so it's yeah one of those one of those companies that i hope i'm always involved with they're they're focused on performance too like this summer i've been maybe six days maxis testing like benchmarking against competitor tires like the what tires are performing well right now let's get them and benchmark them against our tires and yeah we want to try to fill different spaces in their line like they have a tire for every different condition and they're looking at even filling small gaps that they might see beyond that so to be continuing the performance that much is it's pretty cool they're not just sticking with the i mean the minion's been good for so long (laughs) and it'll be hard to get guys off it but they're working hard to try to keep them on top that's cool to hear well it's time to wrap up it's time to get to dinner and an after party 
but yeah big love from me i really love doing this with you guys really appreciate the support and everything you do for the podcast i miss you for the off season and i miss you if you're not here Elliot. but we'll find ways to keep uh, keep in touch yeah thanks everyone amazing season and uh yeah we're out that's it job done see you later thanks everyone thank you All right, that's it for this episode with Elliot and Nico. I really hope you've enjoyed listening today and to the pre- and post-race shows throughout the season. A massive thanks to Elliot, Nico and Chris Kilmurray for always making the time to chat and putting so much into these episodes. And thanks to you all for listening, sharing and spreading the word. Also, a huge thanks to Maxis for supporting this season and making it possible for me to be here. Maxis have got incredible tyres for you no matter how or where you ride. So head over to maxis.com or visit your local Maxis dealer and check them out. I've been using the DHR Max Terra in the back and the Asagai Max Grip in their new XO Plus casing up front and it's a combo that's working super well for me so why not check it out for yourself. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you too downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you never miss an episode forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch and forward slash ep if you'd like a copy of our lovely print project downtime ep as always spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening that's it for today but until next time get out and ride (laughs) 